This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. You know, a really easy trick in any situation that's about to be contentious, mm-hmm. a good way to diffuse any situation is just... Welcome to Game Dev Advice the Game Developers Podcast, your place for resources and in-depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call, 224-484-7733, or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. So let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. Hey, everybody. You're in for a treat. I have a really special episode here for number 40. Justin Fisher is a close friend who also happens to be, without question, the best and sharpest production mind I have ever worked with over my career. From 2010 to 2014, we worked closely at Wide Load Games, a studio acquired and later shut down by Disney Interactive. Justin has worked in one form of production or another for almost 20 years, in music, television, software development, and primarily games. He's currently the lead development director for Industrial Toys, an EA studio in Pasadena, California, and working on the new Battlefield Mobile. He also holds an MBA from Northwestern University and is just a really awesome person. Hey, Justin, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, John. Thanks for having me. Cool. So where are you calling in from? I am in Altadena, California at the far north end of LA County. That's cool. And everything's good out there? Uh, yeah. So far, COVID is slowly receding and life is slowly getting back to normal here. So yeah, it was my next question it was kind of like, you know, how are you doing with COVID and everything? So it's starting to get better now and people are vaccinated and getting back to semi-normal-ish stuff. Uh, the infection rates are down. The uh, positivity rates are down. Vaccination rates are going up. Cool. Uh, so it feels like it's getting back to normal. So what's your current role? I am the lead development director at uh, Industrial Toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an electronic arts studio in Pasadena, California, so just south of Altadena. And uh, we are currently working on Battlefield Mobile. Mm. So how did you get started in the game industry? Well, uh, this is going to sound like a joke, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the truth. I really only had two career paths I was interested in. Mm-hmm. 
One was being a rock star, not a musician, a rock star. Uh, the other was making video games. So I went to college for audio technology because I wanted to try the rock star thing first and right. did that and got in a band and tried the band thing and um, really had a go at it and thought we had made it. And then that that's a whole side story, but that completely exploded in our faces. And so I figured, you know, why don't I go with plan B? Mm-hmm. And um, I had to take kind of a roundabout way to get there. Um, ended up working in production television for a little bit on a at a German television company in Washington, D.C. Okay. And then eventually moved out to Chicago, kept knocking on doors and sending out resumes for everything. Got very few interviews, but finally managed to talk my way into an internship at Wide Load Games in Chicago, which That's was right. um, a small independent studio mm-hmm. uh, that was focused on trying to do a new production model, which uh, was you know heavily focused on outsourcing and just maintaining a smaller core team to kind of keep costs down. And making funny games, and it was co-founded by Alex Seropian, who's one of the co-founders of Bungie. Right. Uh, so you know, I um, basically sent them a very enthusiastic email saying, "Hey, you know, I can do all these things. I can edit audio. I can edit video. I can go get coffee. I'm studying Taekwondo. I can beat people up for you. Um, <laughs> I will work for free. Just I really want to get into the games industry, and I can't get any jobs because I don't have experience, and I can't get any experience because I can't get a job. So, like, right. can I just get an internship and hang out and learn stuff?" And he sent me an email back uh, the next day, which ended up being my 26th birthday of all things. And I was wow. uh, drunk a guitar hero and I got an email from Alex Seropian. Right. Um, Industry heavyweight. Like, You're like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, and, I'm, and this is like, you know, I just moved to Chicago. I didn't have a job yet. And I was, most days I was very productive. I wouldn't, I was, you know, looking for jobs or working on my resume or like teaching myself coding. And I wasn't fucking off or playing video games all day. Yeah. Uh, my wife. Now wife, then girlfriend was at law school. So while she was out, I was trying to be productive and find a job. But that day was my birthday. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I've got mm-hmm. a copy of a Guitar Hero and a six pack of beer. And I was getting loaded in my apartment, blowing through Guitar Hero and got that email. Uh, <laughs> and he basically said like, hey, your, your enthusiasm is awesome. We might be able to do an internship, but probably not till the end of the year. So hit me, hit me up. And this was, this was October. Okay. So you know, I hit him, you know, just counting the weeks and... <laughs> Finally wrote him back in December, like, hey, remember me? Um, is this still an option? Is this still in the cards? He's like, yeah, it could be. It's, it's still in the cards. Why don't you come in for an interview? Cool. Uh, so I went in and I basically was like, okay, these I have, uh, I have about half an hour to convince these people that I'm smart, um, that I'm funny because, you know, they're making funny games and that they like me. Uh, so I went in and I don't actually recommend this as, a, as an interview strategy, but I went in, I, I was like, I'm going to have an opening joke. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's cause I knew the first question was gonna be like, tell us about yourself. So I sit down with, um, Alex and Nat sell, who was the lead writer. And, oh yeah. Matt, right. Uh, the, the, yeah. the one and only, the one and, and then, only. um, yeah. and, uh, the, the producer at the time and, um, they're like, so tell us about yourself. And I said, well, you know, I'm a gamer, uh, I'm a musician and I'm a martial artist and the order of which depends on how much I've been drinking, which is not a great interview. Over. <laughs> uh, don't open with that line, but they all laughed. <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess I have my audience dialed in, but it's one of those things in hindsight where you're like, I fucking <laughs> shouldn't have done that. Like that, that was not a great idea, right. uh, but you know, it, it worked. It worked. <laughs> they did give me an internship. Although I, I heard later that, uh, the producer said to Matt, like, I don't know about this guy. He seems a little intense, but you know, <laughs> for whatever, for whatever reason it worked. Um, so that was, that was my start. And I started on January 8th, 2007 as a, wow. a lowly production intern for with a thousand dollar a month stipend. 
And then okay. after about six months, they decided they wanted to keep me around. So they, they doubled that. So I was suddenly getting paid $2,000 a month as an intern, which, you know, seemed at, you know, at 26, seemed like a, like a lot of money. Right. Huh. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started. And wide load was one of those places where it was very small. So I had to get my fingers into everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot and kind of fell into production and kind of realized I had a head for it. And because it was small, um, you know, it, it had a lot of, a lot of opportunities for just promotion, progression, taking on newer and newer challenges. So it ended up being a very good base for, you know, starting a career and really cutting my teeth and, and uh, learning how to help manage a game and yeah. manage production. Yeah. Because I think um, Wildwood was acquired by Disney. Was it 09 or, or 2010? Uh, yes, it was. It was September of 09. 09. Okay. Because I came in at 2010 and it, it already had been disneyfied or the yep. disney thing it started so no that's that's great you're there and you worked in those smaller games right like hail of the chimp and stuff like that or mm-hmm. hail of the chimp and texas cheatham which was a texas hold'em game where you're supposed to cheat which was actually that was my first project as a, the lead producer as it was it was like a small four-person team working on basically an xbla psn yeah. download game uh-huh. Uh, which also was kind of my first experience really driving the relationship with a publisher and learn, figuring out milestone deliverables and kind of running interference for the team and mm-hmm. running the cert process. Um, a D3 publisher who I, I don't think is around anymore, but they were sort of a boutique publisher at the time. They did games like Lollipop Chainsaw. And, uh, oh, yeah. um, and then from there, Disney acquired Marvel Wildlet started working on Avengers Initiative, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, it's a big kind of a Hulk, Hulk in uh, Infinity Blade kind of game. Yeah, and exactly. alongside that, I was working on what was called Marvel XP, which was supposed to be the sort of glue that tied all the interactive Marvel elements together. And it was sort of like this you know, yep. transmedia kind of experience back when that was a thing. Right. Uh, and that was, that was also another interesting project because everybody wanted a lot of things out of it, but nobody wanted to pay for it. <laughs> so I, I got, I learned, you know, I had one full-time engineer, one full-time designer and some contractors who I could bill like 20 hours a month or something ridiculously small. Yeah. I had to figure out how just to make that thing work and be scrappy. So that was, that was where I really learned how to be a producer and, and make tough calls and yeah. you know, make the best of a limited pile of resources to try to get some sort of vision achieved. And it, it was messy and it was small and simple, but I'm still, that's still one of my proudest things in my career. No, that was a lot of work. I, I I remember being like impressed with what you guys pulled off with such a a small team and and so many cooks in the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. It was tough, but you know, it was still that's kind of what made it great. Like we had to be so skunk works about it and yeah, you know, and deal and do things on the table and be really creative with like how can we we have text? What can we do with text that's interesting? Or we can you know. Marvel will give us a dump of all sorts of images of all their characters. How can we make that into something interesting? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I, I'm one of those people who tends to thrive when I have very, very limited resources. Like it just, I have to make the most of what I have. So that's, that was, that was kind of a, mm-hmm. that was a situation where I did, I did pretty well. Um, cool. oh, I, I, we, I skipped guilty party too. So that was, you know, another game we made for Disney. So yeah. that was, that was huge. I mean, I, I mean, huge in the sense, the critical accolades and, and just the people that played it and loved it, uh, you, you know, it, it didn't, fly off the shelves but the uh metacritic score and that you know was, that was a fantastic game i'm so proud of that one too that's just the way the team coalesced around that one we we all really wanted that one to be great so yeah that, that was, was definitely a, a labor of love for all of us that was before i joined and i remember being kind of impressed by it and what a great team you had and then stubs a zombie right like 
Yeah. I'm, I, I missed that one. That's sort of like, I, I'm really good at, at, at showing up after the party's winding, winding down. Uh, so <laughs> that was one of those cases where Stubbs was definitely, that's that's Wide Load's legacy game that they'll always be remembered for. And that was the one game Wide Load made that I wasn't there to work on. Oh, okay. Right okay. after, or not too long after it shipped when they started working on Hail of the Chimp, which was their, their follow-up game. And it was in its very early stages, so. Wow, so that's a lot of stuff. Like, what do you wish you had known back then when you just first started? Like, you know, um, I think I tied too much of my identity to being a game developer. Okay, which is it's not healthy. Um, and it was too much of my core sense of self was I'm a I'm a I make video games. Uh, yeah. this is part of who I am, and I and part of my sense of self worth is derived from that. And that. That's fine as long as you're working in games. But what I found when Wide Load got shut down by Disney and I got laid off and I couldn't get a job yep. in the games industry for a bit, mm-hmm. I suddenly had a real crisis of, of um, self-worth where I'm, well, I, I no longer have this cool job. Um, yeah. I can't, I'm not, I'm no longer excited when people ask me what I do for a living. Um, and I feel like I'm not, I'm just some schlub. And I, I, this core rock element of my identity that I kind of built my self-worth on uh, was no longer there. And, you know, that was a painful life lesson where it's like, I, I, I had, I had basically built myself up on an extrinsic value. Um, yeah. that, and it's not, you know, there's a lot of things in your life that are not under your control that you'd like to think are, and that's just one of them. And, and it's, it, it was, it's not healthy to build your sense of self-worth on something that's doesn't really belong to you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, that was a painful life lesson, but, you know, coming out the other side of it and it's like, you know, I, I need to, not base my self-worth on that. There's a lot of other better things to base my self-worth on and be proud of. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, of course, proud of, you know, working in the games industry and making games, but um, I'd like to think that I have a better sense of like, if, if this went away, I could still just be grateful for it, but not necessarily feel like I was diminished as a, as an individual, but those first, you know, few months after it, when I couldn't get a job in games and had to go work in, you know, I basically got a, a consultant job in, in an e-commerce firm and for a company oh, that made right. a, yep. Made uh, industrial supplies, um, WW Granger, the largest company nobody's ever heard of. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that was that was a rude awakening. I show up suddenly. I'm in a corporate job, and I'm working with corporate people on a very very corporate product. Uh-huh. Those were some. The first couple months there were pretty rough, but once I kind of got over myself a bit and started looking around at what they were doing and how well they ran their a product that mm-hmm. needed to function and needed to work for their customers, or else they would lose you know literally millions of dollars a minute. Uh, I was like, you know, if I got over myself and I shut up for a minute and I just look around and learn, I could probably learn something and be better for it. So that was kind of the first step of, of figuring out like, this is, this is not who I am. What I do for a living is not who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I have other more valuable things about me that I can draw upon to to feel good about myself that don't involve work, that don't involve something that is extrinsic. So yeah. Uh, long-winded story to answer your question of, this is a great, it's a great job. This is a great industry. I love it. I love the people working it. I love the products. I'm a gamer. Um, it's definitely what I want to do, but mm. it's healthy to have a separation between what you value about yourself and your job because it can go away. It can go away in a, at the drop of a hat yeah. and yeah. there's not always anything you, something you can do about it. So mm-hmm. make sure you, you are prepared to deal with that and to not suddenly feel the sort of loss of self. Wow. That unpacks a couple of things, right? Like, it's like, um, that was something with me too, right? Like, like I make video games and then every decade I just get burned out be like, I'm done with this shit and like go into corporate America and then get pulled back in. But you know, that whole identity, you know, was tied to that. And especially some of the projects I'd worked on and, 
um, saying that's not who I am. This is part of who I am and don't get wrapped up in that. And, and then the whole layoff, right. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I remember it was just like, I won't say the name, but but uh, you know there are all these rumors about layoffs. This was like what 2014, like March, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was, it was February, March, February, March. Yeah, I got a text the night before, and it's like the missiles have launched from somebody in Glendale Corporate because we were, you know, our studio was very small. We were working on yeah. a high profile game. It's like yeah, we're fine. We'll fly into the radar, right? Like we're not just just giant cost center that's gazillions of dollars and. Um, yeah, walked in the door and uh, oh, there's HR people from LA here. Uh, whoa, I guess that was right. Yes, the missiles have launched. Everyone in the back room. Yeah. So, um, you know, we did the thing you would do, which is go out and eat tacos and get shit faced drunk. And um, oh god, <laughs> that was a that was a pretty good headache the next day. Yeah, um, I never made it home. I, I slept on the couch there in the uh, focus test room. <laughs> oh god, yeah, yep. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a late night because we had all the booze that we had accumulated over the years. Yeah, we, well, we, I mean, we couldn't let Disney throw that out. No, it was, no. right. We, yeah, we didn't we do didn't it. 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 It was partially open. Uh, you can't pour it down the sink. So we had to pour it down our mouths and uh, wipe out the liquor cabinet. And then, yeah, the next day it was just, it was instant, you know, the orange crates and get your stuff. And, and yeah. uh, you know, to Disney's credit, they were very generous in terms of the Warren Act and uh employee was it 60 days we were considered an employee and then the and then and then, then the severance yes, the yeah severance I, I mean I have I have I have no complaints about how it happened like if you're gonna if you're gonna shut my studio down do it with class Disney definitely did and they took care of us yeah and, you know, it's the opposite uh, of like telltale games and all those like horror stories of people just getting totally it was, hosed it was a, you know so yeah did, a very soft landing um yep. so and you know, you know, in retrospect, as much as I love love Wide Load and love that crew, it's you know, it's I wouldn't be who I am or where I am right now if, if that hadn't happened. I hadn't kind of had to face some of those challenges. And mm-hmm. you know, if I, you know, at the time I was in grad school, getting an MBA, right? And because Wide Load was so demanding, I could do one course a, a quarter, which means that I was going to be in grad school for five years. Yeah, uh, which is like that's a long time. Uh, and then when that, when the iLoad shut down, I got a very easy corporate job, um, where I could do homework at work. Um, <laughs> you know, I got it, I blew through it in another couple of years. So yeah, that, that made for, you know, getting through that faster. I had to face some sort of, uh, you know, my own sort of personal crucif- crucible right. of, um, you know, what, what, well, who am I, what's actually valuable to me, what's important in life. Um, cause you know, I, I couldn't get another job in games for about four years just cause there just wasn't much there in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was, it's one of those situations that the, the layoff and going through all that in a studio closures, it's horrible to go through, but I hate to say it builds character, but it does. Yeah, like it, it, right. We all survived it and nobody died. Yeah. You know, we all, everybody at the studio landed on their feet somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we're all yeah we've got li- we've got lifelong friends right like we see yeah. each other at GDC and yeah well, a lot of great friends yeah. and yeah it just is like you know it's now and now I know that I have a deeper appreciation for um it's sort of like a a, a professional memento mori right like any mm-hmm. any of this can go away you know yeah um yeah. I'm, I'm working on Battlefield Mobile you know EA is excited for it they're supporting it. Mm. But that's there's still no guarantees, you know. Yep. Uh, if we botch milestones, then you know we start looking attractive to kind of wind down too. So mm. it's it, it's really time to do. Uh, I thought wide load would always be there, but it, it wasn't. Um, yep. And that's just not up to you whether it is or not. So just having gratitude for the moment and, and gratitude for the experience and the friends along the way, and you know gratitude for 
the the good, the bad, the ugly, the warts, all of it. Um, yeah, that's really what I pulled out of that. And if that shutdown hadn't happened, would I have had some of these epiphanies and these realizations? Maybe not. You know, so it, I, I think mm-hmm. you can't you can't be grateful for where you are in life and also not appreciate the how the tough parts got you to where you are too. So it's that's kind of where I sit with it. Yeah, no, that, that all totally makes sense and resonates. Um, what about advice for someone looking to get their first job now, like here in twenty twenty one? That's that's so hard. It's so it's just so it's yeah. This industry is it's so we need young talent. We need we need the next generation of developers, but we make it so hard to get in. Um, right. I mean, I think it depends what you want to do and what fields you want to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely build up prof- like if you're a designer, uh, build stuff. Don't make build, don't build huge things. Build a lot of small things. I in my experience, it's in an interview process, I'd be way more impressed with a, a junior candidate who have built 10 things that all were like a half hour experience versus one person who tried to build one 40 hour thing and gave up 10% of the way through. Um, right. I read this, Cliff Blazinski said this once, he's like, I'm way more impressed by people who can finish things than people who can start things. It's way harder to finish a thing. Oh, totally. So I think, you know, like for design, it's definitely that. Mm-hmm. Build things, even if it's just, you know, in, in, in uh, Unreal with off the shelf assets and, and, you know, just all using the blueprint system and don't C++, just build, build things. So you can say, Hey, I, I can create a thing. I can make something from, yeah. from the ether. And, and it's a complete thought uh, for artists, build a portfolio, get feedback. Um, mm-hmm. You know, engineers kind of same thing, build up your chops for production. That's a little trickier. Try to get internships, try to get, you know, yeah. pitch yourself as somebody who's willing to do the lower tier stuff that isn't maybe the most glorious stuff like being the person who's willing to take the notes and the person who's willing to uh, yeah. record the meeting and, you know, distribute the the Zoom recording to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But be willing to take those very small, not sexy roles, but because you'll actually still learn a lot, even by being the person who gets the coffee, because you get to walk into the room with the people who want the coffee and kind of see what's going on and get to know those people. And um, yeah. I think really... The biggest advice I have for junior people when they've asked me is, is um, be awesome, which sounds really stupid. What I mean is um, just execute at a high level, everything mm-hmm. that starts to build a track record of like, oh, this person is willing to get shit done, even if it's not exciting. And it's like, hey, can you just edit this? Can you edit the formatting on this Excel spreadsheet? Yeah, that sucks. Nobody wants to do that. But right. the other person who just says, yeah, sure, I got it. And you get it done and it works and you didn't complain. And you don't you know fuss about it. That's how you start building that trust of more senior grizzled developers who maybe you don't have a track record, but for, for, you know, your own projects in the industry, but you're the person who will get shit done right? and well, and won't complain and will be like enthusiastic and just always deliver. Then you start getting the sexier stuff. So like, you know, yeah. if I'm looking at somebody who always wants, it seems really way smarter, but always whines about everything. And the person who just delivers every time mm-hmm. I got some sort of new opportunity, I'm probably going to go with the person who just delivers every time. Cause I'm like, you're not, right. you're, you're the person who actually wants to get a thing done and thinks in terms of the collective versus mm-hmm. what's best for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think like, um, you know, Anderson at wide load, right? Like it, it was always like, Hey, we got to build review, make sure it's loaded. And at nine 15, we can look at the build when everybody's there. And he's like, I'm on it. I got it. And, and he did, you know, he just delivered yeah. over and over again. He always had it on there. And, and there wasn't a bunch of people standing around tapping their foot. Why is the build not loaded? What's going on? 
and that that kind of you know both enthusiasm and then like doing the thing that you said you were going to do builds trust and, and then it's like all right person did that i'm going to have them do this now because they prove they can do that it's not the sexiest thing like make sure the build's running and then connect it to a tv and that so we're all standing at 9 15 for a build review but you know that person did it and that's the kind of thing that shows character and shows initiative yeah. and you know they progress in the industry and, right yeah and now he's a producer on mortal Kombat. yeah you know like exactly uh, and, and, and at the, the the time difference between him being an intern and him being a producer on mortal Kombat is not very very long mm-hmm. he just he always showed up right uh I, i'm way more impressed by the person who wants to do well at the thing they have than the person who wants to do well at a thing somebody else has mm-hmm. you know like yeah. that, that yeah. always uh, the more senior I get, the more I, I'm far more impressed by people who are like, okay, this is my mission. I'm going to get it done to the best I can do it. And give, then give me the next one versus like, no, I want your job. How do I get to your job? Well, right. you get to my job by doing all those other little jobs because <laughs> that's how I got here. Right. And I and I got here by doing it and not complaining and, and having a smile about it and trying to be helpful until finally somebody said, no, you know, actually, um, yeah. we got the small project. You want to run the small project? Well, it wasn't very sexy, but I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was Texas. That was Texas Cheatham. Uh, wasn't the sexiest thing. Didn't sell a lot of units. Um, probably nobody's ever played it, but <laughs> I was excited to be the producer on it. Cause I was like, yeah, that's, this is a new challenge. Let's do it. Um, right. And I think that's how I, how I built my rep um, at Wilo just was, was not complaining about stuff. Yeah. You can just get, done. get shit done. Right. Um, goes in the next question about, you know, advice of trying to advance your career in production like yourself. And I, I think maybe I'm an oddball when it comes to production, uh, but I think I think of this job as a service job. My job is to help people and take care of them. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I, I don't I'm not a subscriber to the to the drill sergeant view of production where you beat people up and yell at them until they get you what you want. I just I, that's that's not me. I'm just not good at that. Yeah, that's not my core strength. That's not my core values. Um, I view this job as how do I help people? Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean ice cream and foot rubs. It's like, how do I help you if if you're more junior on the team? Like, how do I help you have a structure that makes your day make sense? How do I make sure work gets to you in a way that's understandable? How do I make sure you understand where we're going and why so that your work has a context? How do I make sure you have the context of what's going on in the studio that you can digest and make sense and, and makes you feel like the things you do have meaning? And if you're somebody above me, how do I make sure you have a view of the schedule that makes sense that you can believe we're going to deliver on time that you believe I have the things under my purview, I have them under control. Right. Um, it's how do I, how do I make people around me comfortable? If you're the publisher, how do I make sure you feel like you're going to get the build you want on time and the build process makes sense. And it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm making the best of the money you're giving us. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, that's it's it's a it's a service role. It's how do I how do I serve my team? And you know, my yeah, I, I look at the team. Like everybody, everybody's looking at the designers look at the game, engineers look at the game, EA's looking at the game. I look at the team uh, because mm-hmm. everybody else, everybody, the game is covered. You know, way more talented people than me have that. I need to help the team. Yeah. Um, Roblox, sure, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Roblox, make sure they're, they're comfortable in the right ways and uncomfortable in the right ways. Like I, I want people, there's like the concept of distress and you stress. There's mm-hmm. the, you, know, you stress like euphoria, like stress that makes you feel productive and challenged, like working out or doing a, you know, a, a math problem. If you're into math, like, yeah, I want people to feel you stress, the distress I want to be minimum. So how do I fix that? And how do I make sure that things are efficient and Jira makes sense. And it's not this stupid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cancerous, ball of nonsense, but it's actually somewhat streamlined as much as Jira can ever be. Right. right. So to me, that that's if you do that, if you're focused on both up and down taking care of people and servicing their needs, mm-hmm. there that's what that's all the job is. If you're doing that, that that's if you're answering those the needs of your team and the needs of your publisher and your and your you know your studio leads, right. that is the job. 
and their needs will dictate what you need to do. Um, so I'd, I'd say focus on, you know, it's, it's not about scrum certification. It's not about spreadsheets and waterfall graphs. It's about serving the team's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can do that, you'll, you'll do great. Um, and from there, lean into your strengths. Like when you and I work together, I lean to my strength. I'm like, eh, you know, I'm not necessarily a firebrand. I'm, <laughs> I'm empathetic. I I'm good at, you know, taking aggressive feedback from people about how much process sucks, sucks and being productive about it. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Tell me how it's stupid and I'm, how I suck at my job and I'll make it better. Right. <laughs> um, and I pair well when I, you know, those are my strengths. I lean into them. And I, because I'm not a big intimidating person, uh, people tend to open up to me and they tend to tell me what's actually on their mind. Cause they know I won't flip a table at them. Cause I'm just not, I'm not good at being a table flipper. I just, oh. when I, when I get angry, I just get like Tasmanian devil. So I'm just, <laughs> you know, so I lean into my strengths, but you know, you, you know, when you and I were together, you had a very different strength where you are good at being productively kind of flipping a table and being aggressive with people and saying like, what the fuck, this needs to be better. Get in the room. Let's figure this out. Right. Uh, that's how you're, you know, that's why you succeeded. So I'd, I'd say, know what your strengths are and lean into them and mm. build your weaknesses, work on them, but also partner with people who kind of cover them for you. Yeah. Always when I've done my best work, when I've been paired with people who are good, who, who will look to me to be the, you know, the, 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 the more mellow ones. So they're like, yeah, I can't, I need you to have this conversation. Cause I know if I go in that room, I'm going to flip the fuck out. I know if you go in there, you'll stay calm. So can you go in there and stay calm for me and figure out what these people's problems are? Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that'd be the, the second piece of advice. And the third is uh, what I've realized about this job is it's like a Pareto principle thing where mm-hmm. 20% of your activities will cover 80% of your success. And for me, that 20% is just, it's communication and situational awareness. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you can be aware of where you are and where you're going and what's happening, and you can provide that awareness to your team, it makes it a lot easier to find the risks, find the problems, find the, the blockers, yeah. uh, because everybody can see things and they're all kind of where, where we're going, what the status is where the pinch points are, Mm -hmm. and then just give them a way to communicate effectively. If you can do that, your team will actually service you by telling you what's going on and where where they need your help and where they need your attention because, hey, this thing's over here on fire. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't see that, but I'm glad I put you in a position where you could tell me so now I can go doing about it. Right. Um, So So a week later, you have to dig it up and you're like, why didn't they tell me about this? Holy shit. Yeah. Why why is this burn down so jacked up looking? Oh. Because I didn't give you the vision, you know, the, the the viewpoint you needed to be able to see that it was jacked up so you could tell me in advance. So yeah. that's me. Like I, the more, the more senior I get, the more I'm just focused on like, how do I give people situational awareness and how do I give them a way to communicate it or communicate about it and to each other and with me mm-hmm. to this very week, people were bringing things up to me that I never saw because uh, the project's too big, but they were like, Hey, Justin, I need help with this. This doesn't work. I'm like, ah, okay. Glad you told me. So <laughs> enable your team to see the things, even if it feels naked, even if it feels like you might be exposing your own, like, oh fuck, I might have fucked this up. But yeah. better they tell you now than when you're trying to get into cert or you know, gold gold or yeah, yeah, right. you know, push out a patch or anything like that. Yeah. No, it's all great stuff. What about advice for developing interpersonal skills, you know, EQ, the soft skills yeah. as they call it. Um Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please go to patreon.com backslash game dev advice would love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out that's patreon.com backslash game dev advice thanks the first thing i always try to do is um seek to understand before being understood that's always mm-hmm. the i always try to go in room and figure out, like why why are you upset what's going on you know, what, what's not working for you? You, you, you seem off today. Like I'm good at picking up when somebody's off. Like somebody just is like, this is not your normal demeanor or your normal tone. Yeah. 
I'm terrible about diet, you know, intuiting what it is. I always assume it's something I did. And that's, you know, my own <laughs> apology, but, right. but right. I'm good at picking up when somebody's kind of feeling off. So it's very much like, Hey man, you doing okay today? What's, right. what's going on? You seem all tense. Yeah. And maybe it's, oh, you know, my dog is sick, blah, blah, blah. But somebody's like, no, this fucker over here is doing this thing. Right. Oh, well, what's, what's he doing? Well, he's, he keeps saying this thing and I, I feel like he's after me and he's, he's, keep, he's just such a dick. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, Thanks for letting me know. Let me go check in with him. I check in with that guy. He's like, oh no, I, I didn't mean it that way. I just, I was just trying to give direct feedback because we're under pressure. And it's just, all these people don't have context for each other's right. actions. Yeah. Neither did I. So it's like, you know, there's times when I would, my instinct would be going to a room and get pissed off about something because something wasn't right. But it's like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. before I do that, before I tell people why I'm upset and why I'm disappointed, yeah. let me just understand what they were seeing and why they acted a certain way. Mm-hmm. And usually I find, you know, there's certainly people who are incompetent and there's certainly people who do things in bad faith or for the wrong reasons. But generally speaking, if you're working with a, with a competent team, yeah. usually people just what they do in the moment or from their vantage point actually makes sense. If they got upset, it's because they saw things a certain way. And, you know, yeah. from that perspective, it makes sense. That they got upset. So try to understand where somebody's coming from before you tell them where you're coming from, because there's, there's so many fights I've avoided that I didn't need to have because I just, before I opened my dumb mouth, I said, Hey, tell me, tell me what's going on. Tell me, mm-hmm. here's what I'm seeing. And it, it doesn't make sense to me. Tell me what, tell me why this happened this way, or tell me why you said it, or tell me why you blew up at this person. Yeah. And to go along with that, you know, a really easy trick in any situation that's about to be contentious. Mm-hmm. A good way to diffuse any situation is just validate the person's viewpoint. It's just say like, yeah, I get why you feel that way. Like, you know, I had one of these conversations with one of my team members uh, mm-hmm. last week where he's like, hey, I don't, I don't, I think we're doing the wrong thing over here. And I don't think we should have done it this way. I think it's wrong. I'm like, I, I get it. I get why you see that. And, and you're totally right. These are the downsides of the way, why we did it that way. Yeah. But we did it this way to service A, B, and C reasons. Um and here are, the, here are the downsides of that. And here are the downsides of the way you want to do it. And you're not wrong to feel that way. It's totally legitimate to, to nitpick that or, or to um, Question you know, disagree yeah. with your choice. Mm-hmm. But you know, here's, here's why we did it. Here's the context. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like mental Aikido. Like people just, if people go into a room ready for an argument and the first thing you do is tell them they're right, they go, they go and, and you can <laughs> see the, the resolve kind of drain out of their faces yeah. and they suddenly relax and they go, wait, what, what, what do you mean I'm right? right. What the fuck are you talking I about? I want to fight. Right. What do you mean? I'm right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it it works constantly, and it's and it's not like manipulation. It's just like, hey, let me let me just validate that you it totally get why you feel that way, and it makes sense. And you know, I've I've used this. I don't want to say trick. This just approach in many situations where I was like, this is going to be a fight. Before it starts to be a fight, let me just say, like, I get why you're upset. It totally makes sense why you're upset. And you know, frankly, I fucked that up, and that's on me. Um, I'd like to learn how I could do it better. Usually what happens is the other person goes, yeah, you know what? I could have done this better too. And then all of a sudden it's a completely different conversation. Now you're, now you're meeting as people who are acknowledging like, yeah, humans are messy. Um, Mm -hmm. So between those two things, I, those like thinking, trying to understand a person's viewpoint before you go off the handle and then validating their viewpoint will get you through a lot of tough situations and will allow you to approach difficult conversations productively and get people to drop their guard. And mm-hmm. I, I try to approach every conversation with some humility, but I'm not perfect at this job. I'm still learning every day. Humans are messy. I have my own flaws. Yeah. Very likely I, we hit one of these flaws and that's why, you know, that's why this didn't go right. So, Hey, look, that's on me. Right. So tell me how we could do this better. Um, right. 
that would get you through a lot. There's very few situations where a fight will make things better. <laughs> they, they exist. And sometimes you do need to get pissed at people, yeah. but it's rare. I find it's far more rare than people, you know, people's behavior would indicate. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 as far as emotional intelligence, empathy is free. We, and we ignore it yep. to our peril. Yes. It, is, it is free and it is a very, it is a high utility concept. Yes. A thousand percent. Totally agree with that. So thinking back, what's been one or two of your favorite games or projects to work on? Uh, I mean, my favorite one is Battlefield Mobile because it's just, it's, uh, it, you know, I'll, every other game I've worked on has been this kind of low budget skunk worksy thing. And now I'm, I'm, we are the main event uh, yeah. or one of three EA. Like this is a big title for EA. EA is very much supporting it, which is also a thing I'm not super familiar with. I'm used to being <laughs> kind of, the, you know, the bastard child of the, right. of the various publishers I've worked with. So that's really nice. And it's, it's, it's a strange thing to be, to say like, we, we should buy this, like this Jira plug and like, Christ, it costs $3,000 and have somebody look at you and go like, that's couch change here. Like what, just get right. it. Like I, I still have trouble adapting that at times. Right. Uh, but you know, I'm working on this awesome, you know, this awesome brand, bring it to a whole new platform. Yeah, it's huge. The technical challenges of trying to take an authentic battlefield experience and make it on mobile is, is, uh, is immense, but mm-hmm. it involves, it means working with a lot of really smart people who want to solve very hard problems on very limited hardware. So, right. I'm able to bring all of my talents to bear daily, you know, my, my, any, any talents I have with emotional intelligence, all of my, everything I learned, learned getting an MBA, my fascination with things like data and process and story points and all that. Right. The fact that I, despite myself, I, I do like Jira, um, you know, it, <laughs> all of that, uh, every day I try to, you know, try to make it work. So yeah. it's definitely my favorite thing I've worked on so far. The other would be Marvel XP for the complete opposite reason mm-hmm. that it was, you know, it's definitely, like I said, where I really learned how to be a producer and make decisions about creative design and how to maximize very limited resources and how to wheel and deal and how to collaborate with other projects because Marvel XP had to show up in, you know, yeah. Avengers Initiative with Wide Loads of the Game, Avengers Alliance, which was a Facebook and mobile game. Right. Making that all a work. I, you know, it just, that brought a very different side of sort of like, it was like guerrilla filmmaking, but in a interactive form. So it was, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to work on something that shoestring again, but as far as some, to a gig to, to really build up a skill set that was invaluable to my career. Yeah, no, you're right. And the fact yeah. that we actually got it done, yeah. you know, it was like, we actually got that thing out there. Like it, it's, it lived for a while before, yeah. you know, those games really got delisted. Right. So we actually got a thing out in the world. Yeah. It had a tie in with multiple games. So you had to deal with all that, but you know, it was this giant IP, you know, yeah. and then the, the, the mothership and all those kind of things. So yeah, I, I just remember being like, how the hell is he pulling that all together? And like, that is, that is an undertaking, especially with such a skunk works team. Right. So that was, yeah. uh, so what are you curious about right now in the industry? There's a huge gap in, in the games industry right now between you have like the indie, the indie element of, uh-huh. you know, there's indie studios everywhere making really interesting new game ideas, new mechanics, um, just, which is awesome. And then you have huge AAA titles, you know, your Spider-Mans, your um, yeah. Returnals, your Red Dead Redemption 2s, all of that. Mm-hmm. We don't really have a middle class anymore. You don't yeah. see like uh, Area 51 or, um, <laughs> you know, like, or, or, you know, some of Medal of Honor's titles that were kind of late aughts. Like that somewhere in between like these massive nine-figure pr- projects right. and small Kickstarter indie projects were missing... There's a huge gap in the market and I don't know how to fill it is the thing because it's just, uh, mm. 
you need you need publisher backing to do to fill that, but publishers need to build big things because everything they do is expensive. So they have to make these big bets. Um, yeah. And the demands of current generation consoles, like you can't like an EA, EA can't put out something you know, a B minus game on PlayStation five. No, because people say like, what the fuck you're EA, you have all this money. Why are you putting out a B minus game? Right. But there's still a valuable, there's still value to an industry that has B minus games. You have more content, you have more ideas, you have more job opportunities and more people who can work on something that's, you know, strictly speaking, a triple A game, but it's not this huge production. And we don't have that. I don't, and I don't know how that gets filled, but it needs to. Yeah. Like I, I don't think our industry being so dramatically bifurcated is healthy. Like it, yeah. there's, you know, I think a healthy ecosystem would be you have lots of crazy, wild ass hair ideas coming out of the Indies. Mm-hmm. And then some smaller publishers take those, some of those ideas and they are inspired to make something a little more, a little more mainstream palatable, but not huge. It's like a B minus kind of game, but it's still interesting and cool. Yeah. Uh, and then a big publisher says like, oh man, that's, this is, this has been validated by the B minus. Now I can, I can build a huge nine figure game about it. And mm-hmm make it more mass market and nowhere near as adventurous, but kind of take some of these things and put a, a real deep sheen of polish on them. Right. That's, you know, that, that would be a, a healthier ecosystem to me as far as design ideas and people who have an opportunity to, to move around in the industry and try different kinds of jobs and different scales of projects. That would be much more healthy to me. And I feel like we're, we're missing it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's much more bifurcated than it was, you know, when I first entered the industry in, in, in the aughts. Well, yeah. And a lot of those companies got knocked out, right? Like the, yeah. the Midways, right? Like Midway was one and, you know, THQ, I mean, they're not THQ around anymore. Great, great example. Yeah. Like, like all of those like mid tier publishers, like a wide load fit really well into that into that niche. Yeah, um, right. There aren't a lot of wide loads. That, that twenty or thirty person scrappy studio that's bigger than an indie mm-hmm. uh, and has a slightly larger budget and can hire some outsourcers and do something a little more something that has a little bit of a broader scope. Yeah, those those kind of studios don't. They're much more rare. I think. Yeah. What about potential threats to the industry and and opportunities? Like, I think threat is actually kind of the same thing. Where it's it's you know you have the the better and better that the hardware gets. And the more and more money it takes to to create something that actually lives up to the expectations of that hardware. What I'd like to see is at some point hardware just gets so good that we're like, we honestly can't tell the difference between this generation and the last one. So we're just gonna kind of tap it here and focus on making cool software. I think that's that's a pipe dream, but I think that would be great because that would that would make it easier. Yeah. As far as uh opportunities, mobile gets a bad rap, but I do think the more powerful phones get, you know, they're so widely distributed and it's so easy to download mm-hmm. games to them. You know, a lot of the experience on mobile is getting better and better and less about, you know, match three games and more right. like you can get closer and closer to a genuine AAA experience. Yeah. Um, I think there, there's interesting opportunities there that where it'll feel less and less like mm, mobile. Which, right. you know, yeah. you know. But I mean, maybe th- maybe that's how that middle class of studios studios comes back as mobile finally bridges the gap between the, the Kickstarter indies and the massive AAA heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, mobile gets big enough that it kind of actually fills that space back up. And then there's now there's a continuity between the wild ass hair ideas and the indie side and the the safer, more conventional ideas on the, the AAA high end side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think AR actually has some great opportunities, too, because it's. It's not quite as technology intense and um, there's, there's not such a, a, a heavy entrance cost to get into AR as there, as there is with VR. VR. And I do like VR. I think VR is cool, but yeah. AR, the the the, the barrier to entry is you have a phone um, right. or you have usually some other device that you already possess. And I think there's a lot of cool, I mean, you can see you know, Pokemon 
um, Pokemon Go, or po- I, can't, I get all the Pokemons mixed up, but yeah. I think it's Pokemon Go. Uh, the, the Pokemon mobile game is a great example of like how that can go really, really well and be interesting and cool and drive a community and drive some interesting ideas mm-hmm. and an experience that's not just in your living room. Yeah, I've seen really interesting AR horror apps where you can, you know, make basically making your own found footage movie in your house and they say, turn your lights off and walk around with this and we'll make ghosts appear on your phone and it's super creepy. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of really cool ideas that can come out of that. Um, yeah. I think we've only scratched the surface and the more more knowledge we have about how to make games in that space that starts getting around the industry and starts spreading the more institutional knowledge we have as an industry about how to make AR games uh, I think yeah because the barrier entry is so low it's really cool ideas there yeah I mean the hardware is getting so much more powerful too right like I've got the 12 Pro Max the LiDAR or whatever you know all this like yeah stuff that's out there that you know five years ago wasn't even a possibility you throw you know tablets in and then you can hook it up uh hook yeah. up to um you know a controller and all of a sudden you've got like thing there without having to take up the family or the big tv and yeah like i've i've been playing uh xcom 2 and it looks really good yeah like it even yeah. has a performance mode where you know you can you can turn on performance mode on it and turn on all the visual bells and whistles ah. and that's something i'm used to i would associate with a pc, PC game, game. Exactly. or well, should xcom is a pc game but a, a game on pc um, or, you know, the current generations of, of consoles are giving you some of those options now, but mm. not something I would traditionally, you know, expect from my phone, but it's no. like, this is a great experience. I don't feel like it's compromised from mobile. Wanted to play XCOM 2 for a while and just, you know, didn't have the opportunity or didn't take the opportunity, but now it's right on my phone. I'm like, okay, yeah, yep. let's, let's do this. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's such a classic perennial franchise and stuff too. So, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what's a funny or odd story from working in the industry? Oh man. <laughs> problem is like so many of my so many of my funny stories i'm like i probably am under nda yeah or i have to like kind of like men, name drop somebody who i'm like yeah i probably shouldn't do that but yeah, um yeah. I was, I was, I was thinking about like there was like right after wide load closed um i got an email from another studio i won't say the, which one they invited me out for an interview i think studio had a wide load kind of name dropped me as a like you should you should talk to this guy he's a really good producer yeah uh so they got invited out i drive to the place i show up i'm like hey i'm so-and-so i'm here to you know i'm justin i'm here to talk to such and such person right and like, cool fill this out and they hand me uh, a job application and i'm like what what the fuck what? is this i'm here to talk wow. right yeah like you and it's like what job are you applying for i'm like i have no idea you asked <laughs> me to come out here and and, it, and then it's and so i'm getting a little irritated uh and then it's like you know what were you what list your last three jobs and what were you paid at all of them like i'm not fucking what? telling you that yeah like, and i and, and for anybody listening out there who works in a talent acquisition don't make people coming in for jobs fill out an application no, form it is no. so trashy and bush league and it makes yeah. you look so shit. was it denny's so, like yeah fill out this application yeah, pretty, i'm like I, I was like look i'm a seasoned professional who's getting an mba like this is not a froger stand like why are you making so i'm i'm getting kind of i'm getting kind of annoyed and so it's like what are your salary expectations for this and yeah. current role i'm like i don't even know what the role is but fine i just took my salary at the time and just Plus thirty percent, which is like yeah. ridiculous salary for probably what they were going to interview me for. Right. So I'm I'm kind of pissed off and annoyed. And then I go and I talk to the the, the lead creative officer, and uh, we had a really great conversation. I start relaxing, and you know it was really fun. We kind of we uh-huh. it was we had never met, but we knew a lot of the same people. So we were just you know we were chatting about the industry, and we it's like all right, cool. Let me let me show you around. So we go walk around the studio, and it's like all cool. It's your typical studio stuff. And then he, without really telling me he was going to do this, he drops me in this guy's office, and I can't remember. You know, he says, oh, "This is so and so." Right. 
Even yeah. our producers here, I'll let you guys chat. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm interviewing with this guy now. Okay. And uh, I hand the guy my resume and I could, and, you know, kind of like I said earlier, there are some producers who are kind of like drill sergeant, yell at people, mm. be mean people. And I'm like, I think you're one of those. <laughs> and it's just not potable. Right. Hand, me my, hand him my resume and he's kind of like gingerly takes it like it's drip, dripped in urine. And he's kind of, <laughs> I'm doing and then he's favor. like, all right, tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell me what, tell me what, tell me what your process is or whatever the question was. And I start saying like, well, you know, I, I like to build consensus. I like to work with people. I like to give people some kind of agency in the workload and, and talk through things as a team and kind of figure out goals together. Uh-huh. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, that sounds really utopian to me. Why does that sound utopian to me? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> You're this guy. And this is like, right. I've just been like, I am not in the mood for this shit. Right, right. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, I, and I really wish I had said this because I just was not, I, I lost interest anyway. So I should have said this just to say that I had said it. But in my head, I'm like, because you lack imagination. So I'm like, <laughs> well, certainly it's it's somewhat egalitarian. He's like, right, here's the thing. Do you watch football? I'm like, no. He's like, anyway, so in football, this coach will show up, you know, and he'll bring <laughs> his system to a team and he doesn't actually think what the players need. And he totally fails every time. But you got Understand, and he goes on this huge rant basically that says like he doesn't trust his team and he thinks they're all idiots and uh, he doesn't want to get one of those kind okay oh yeah yeah and i'm just sitting there like oh, oh where's the door get me should, out of here i should not have come out for this i knew this is gonna be a waste of my fucking time yeah and i was like well certainly you know you need to what, what's what's the expression um mm-hmm. a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin little mind certainly like i wouldn't just come in and just drop my system like i need to build something that works for the team and works for the situation and I need to coach people and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I are actually a lot alike. I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> we're fucking not. Right. And we keep going for a while. And I can't remember how this came up, but I was saying like, you know, I, um, I like to kind of see what's going on with people and, you know, something's kind of off somebody. I like to ask him what's going on and try to help him. He's like, yeah. so you're really empathetic. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what's the danger of being empathetic? And I'm like, what are you fucking Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, well, sometimes it can be hard to be saying no to people. It's like, right, yeah, exactly. Blah, 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 blah. You know, you and I are actually a lot of like, I'm like, stop fucking saying that. <laughs> You're not alike right, at all. Right. I don't like you. You're We're not asshole. in the same pea, peas in the pod. So, Get away you know, from me, dude. Um, I don't know if it was that interview or me asking for some absurd amount of money, but I never got a call back ever. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think I dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with your, your experience in Chicago, John, you might know what studio. Yeah, I, I have. <laughs> All right. Uh, cut. I'll text you later if you have any doubts. <laughs> I just said I wasn't going <laughs> to. We'll cut that out. Just beep it. Just beep it. Yeah, beep it. No. That'd, be, that'd probably be funnier if you beeped it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, boot. <laughs> <laughs> so besides XCOM 2, like what are the kind of games are you playing and excited about? Picked up uh the Demon Souls remake <laughs> and it's been good to get back to that and okay. uh have my ass handed to me. But much much more pretty than you know, I played it back in the day and loved it. Um yeah. So yeah. playing it again. I've been meaning to go back to the game for years, so now there's a much prettier version. I've uh, been doing that, it's fun. Um my kids are at the point where they really like video games and they've been um they want they want to really want to watch me play uh First, it was Miles Morales uh, on PS5. Now they want to see the Spider-Man remake, which is basically, it's, it's like, it's guilt-free video game time for me. So that works. Cool. Um, and then, uh, you know, I finally got a, a Nintendo 3DS uh, at the end of, now the end of 2019. So right before it was decommissioned entirely. Yeah. So this is, I never played it. So this is huge backlog of 3DS games that are actually really good that I've been digging through. Hmm. Uh, but right now I've been playing uh, uh, the Metroid remake they put on that thing. So okay. that's I, I'm fortunate. I'm one of those people who the 3D effect doesn't doesn't make me nauseous or make my eyes hurt. So like I can get the full hmm. full effect of that system. Right. So it's actually it's a lot of fun. Right. 
And of course, Mass Effect, right? I mean, you're yeah. I I, I like I'm so I'm so terrified to to uh, get back into that. Like it's it's you know I finally clawed my way out of that after playing the trilogy three times in a row. Um, <laughs> wow! And then I played it once more the next year after we got laid off. I, I played through the entire trilogy again. Like, and that was my that was my summer vacation while I was looking for new work. Wow! So um, I'm I'm sort of scared to open the box back up, even as much <laughs> as I love those games. I will I will eventually do it. Yeah. But I am. Um, it's like, oh, yeah. and you know, uh, JJ Williams is constantly like, "Hey, man, <laughs> you ready for this?" Like, yeah. no, JJ, right. I'm not. Right. That dude more than anybody knows how bad I am with Mass Effect. So yeah, yeah, he's up there at uh, Ravens off now, like poking, yeah. pushing your buttons. JJ is awesome. He was on the show. If he way, 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 way. Oh bad. yeah, yeah, was. Right. Yeah, oh, God, I, I, I miss all the wide loaders, but I really miss JJ Williams. Yeah. just that voice. Yeah. He's always like that. Yeah. JJ is so animated. It's rare that I meet somebody who's louder than me. You know, and that's, that's JJ. JJ. Yeah. Where can people find you online and uh, website, Twitter? And I, I want to throw a shout out to Breaking the Wheel because that is a great site. It's a great resource for people in production want to understand how to do things the right way and not just uh, old school ways. But um that is, I mean, Breaking the Wheel is the big one. I really need to get back to that. Ironically, since I've been working on at EA, I haven't really touched it in, in a couple of years. Just because I've been, I've been living it. Um, and I need to actually start getting back to it to sort of drop like, hey, I've learned a lot about this stuff. And here's some some new thoughts I have. So right. one of these days, one of these days, John. Yeah, yeah. But that is, that is something I'm particularly proud of. And I put a lot of time into mm-hmm. um, breakingthewheel.com. Uh, other than that, uh, I am on the Twitters. I mm-hmm. don't tweet about games very much. Mostly it's, it's shit posting and, and me commenting on my friend's goofy posts and then uh, politics. Right. So um, <laughs> yeah. anybody wants to find me there, right. uh, manage expectations accordingly but it's justin underscore underscore fisher f-i-s-c-h-e-r um yeah two underscores there's dude one there's a justin fisher with one underscore but last i checked he hadn't tweeted in like eight years so don't go to that guy right last question what's one piece of advice you give others working in the industry right now something i've really come to appreciate over the last few years is that generally at any given day people are doing their best um Mm -hmm. And, you know, any, anybody you see, if they're not delivering 100% on a given day or, you know, they're having a tough week, they're doing their best. Um, and, you know, take just always have that in mind. If you see something that somebody did something, especially in this COVID era, when we're all working remote. We, yeah. We're missing out on social interactions. We're missing out on body language. We're communicating through Zoom calls mm-hmm. or emails or Slack. Um, it's so easy to misinterpret comments or misinterpret just like uh, an emoji that somebody applies to something you put in Slack or any of that. Yep. Just understand people generally are doing their best and generally have good intentions. But I think the other side of that is everybody is doing their best, which means also like the most conniving politician and the toxic person in your office are also literally doing their best. And that doesn't mean like, oh, hey, you know, let's cut them some slack. They're doing their best. Like, no, this is literally the best they can do. Mm. Um, and understand that you can want them to do better and you can tell them to do better and they might at times do better, Yeah. but if they keep progressing to that mean of that behavior, that literally is them doing their best. And you really need to think about what that means for your studio, for your culture, for your career. Yep. So, so it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword where some people you, you really want to realize that like, Hey, they made a mistake. It's not because they're incompetent. It's not because they want to do a shit job. Most people don't want to do a shit job, Um, but sometimes people just are doing their best. Um, But also sometimes doing your best means that you are just 
you're not somebody worth maintaining a relationship with, keeping employed at a studio, yeah. hiring in the first place. So just just keep that keep that axiom in mind that mm-hmm. everybody's doing their best and use that to judge how you want to work with them, invest in them, befriend them, open up to them, all of that. Yeah. Uh, because it really it's more of a universal truth than I ever really appreciated until you know the last few years. Mm-hmm. No, that's great stuff. Well, thank you for being on tonight. I know we've sure, been, it's my uh, pleasure. I'm, I'm sorry it took so long for me to be on. I, I found that if it's not family or work, I've like I've, I'm so much better at not procrastinating at work or in my family life. Mm-hmm. But that's like I said, everybody's doing their best, and I'm I'm a notorious procrastinator. So that procrastination <laughs> expresses itself in other areas, <laughs> like when my when my close friends want me to be on their podcast. So I'm <laughs> I'm happy to have made it happen. Yeah, I'm sorry it took so long. Cool. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show. Again, that's patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Thanks again for listening and being part of the show. Take care. Bye-bye.